We're three happy chappies with snappy serapies. You'll find us beneath our sombreros. We're brave and we'll stay so. We're bright as a peso. Who say so? We say so. The three car podcastos. (laughs) Thanks for the assist. You're welcome. You know, I thought about doing one of the more obscure songs. You know, I could do Oskindindiyaya or whatever. <laughs> and then I was like, no, give the people what they want. They want the three cup podcastos. <laughs> that sounds really hard to say. <laughs> well, I, I practice probably too much for all of these intros. And this one was no exception. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, let's get on with the cup podcasto. <laughs> <laughs> everybody and welcome to me mom and the mouse a podcast about the joy of watching cartoons with your family we're watching every film in the disney animated canon and talking about how it was made what it means and why we love it or don't my name is isaac coleman and i'm joined as always by my mother mi madre rue coleman oh branching out into spanish Hello. See, you are hearing the total extent of my Spanish. <laughs> How are you doing today, Mom? I'm doing good. Como estas? Como estas? That's one. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, muy bien. <laughs> uh, gracias. Hey, look at this. Ooh. People say Americans have no culture this week on the program. As you may have guessed, we are continuing... The Wartime Era, the second film of the Wartime Era, with 1944's The Three Caballeros. And I have to remind everyone, if you didn't listen last week, I'm incapable of rolling my R's. (laughs) Mom, would you like to say the name of this movie properly? Uh, The Three Caballeros. Thank you. Now everyone can enjoy that. Thank goodness we have one. This one is not only... The name is not completely in Spanish because then it would be Tres Caballeros. That's true. That's true. This one was directed by Norman Ferguson as the supervising director. Additional sequences by Clyde Geronimi, Jack Kinney, Bill Roberts, and Harold Young. Norman Ferguson has been the supervising director on, I think, at least the last three films that we've hmm. uh, we've talked about. He's, he's getting that paper. Yeah. So, Mom, uh, what does this movie mean to you? I was trying to think if I could say that in Spanish. I can't say even one of those words in Spanish. (laughs) Uh, I have definitely seen this one more than Saludos Amigos. It feels a bit like Fantasia for Brazil and Mexico. (laughs) That is a really good way of putting it. Even more than Saludos Amigos, which the episodes or the, the segments in that one felt more distinct In this one, it feels like everything just kind of flows together from one thing to the next. Also, unlike in Saludos Amigos, where it kept the live action and animated segments separate, this movie mingles them. And I'd kind of forgotten that it's like, oh, yeah, this is the first one where they have the animated characters and the live action people interacting. I have... Not watched it a ton as a kid. Again, we didn't actually own this one on a pre-recorded VHS. We did have it recorded off of TV. We might have seen it when it um, was edited and put on the uh, Wonderful World of Disney TV show. I know I've seen some of the segments separately. It was for the Wonderful World of Disney TV show. I think it was cut down and called like a present for Donald or something. 
Um, so it had some of the parts, but not all. But I have definitely seen the entire thing a few times. And I like it well enough. It's never been one of my favorites. The songs stick in my head, though. <laughs> sure. The main one in particular. And, and didn't you say another one? Oh, yes. You Belong to My Heart. When is that again? Is that the last oh, one? Oh, that's, that's the second to last one. Second you to last. You Belong to My Heart. Sure. Actually, there are several songs in the last segment. It's it's a it's mess. The, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's that one. So for my end, I definitely saw this as a kid. We did not own it, so it was not in regular rotation. This isn't one that's imprinted on my brain. Mm. Um, but weirdly, I feel like this was a staple of going to Great Grandma's house. I have at least yeah. two distinct memories of seeing it there. I could believe it, watching it there because they owned it and we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, so a different family member that I share yeah, this Disney yeah. memory with, but, you know, that's that's how our family is. Yep. Uh, and I definitely uh, always enjoyed it. Like you, it was never a favorite. It still isn't, but we'll definitely get into that. <laughs> uh, I do have to agree with what you said about this being the Latin American Fantasia. I, I like <laughs> that. Um, this is an extremely strange movie, and I had forgotten how strange it was. <laughs> it is. It's so weird. I was expecting a pretty straightforward compilation of shorts and was tricked because the movie starts like that and then it stops being that. It's so true. <laughs> but let me tell you why that is. Why is that? So we talked last week on the Saludos Amigos episode about uh, a lot of the backstory of this movie. I recommend you go back and listen to that. Uh, we talk about the good neighbor policy and we talk yeah. about how... Uh, the Disney company was in financial straits and they needed the government grants. Mm -hmm. By the time this movie came out, the United States Army had literally moved into the Disney studio. <laughs> the new studio that Walt built that we briefly mentioned on a previous episode. And they were basically full-time propagandists. Mm -hmm. Which the American government had already wanted them to be before 1941... But now, you know, again, they were so financially desperate. Yep. They, they had to make whatever they could. They were still dealing with the after effects of the strike. A lot of people had left. The people who'd stuck around were largely unhappy, not only because <laughs> uh, there's a war going on, but yeah. because everyone at the studio, Walt and Roy Disney very much included, they were like a little depressed by their, their current output. They, you know, they felt that Saludos Amigos was not up to the high standards of mm -hmm. what we've been calling the golden era films, which it's not. Yeah. But, you know, that's the reality of the situation. <laughs> um, yeah. They also were still mad at Walt, even though the strike was over and they had acquired sort of a union contract. It still wasn't everything they wanted. And Walt was surly about it. And they were surly about Walt. Some of them felt <laughs> like... Some of the animators felt like, you know, he... We were striking and he went on this trip to South America. Like, that's how little he cares about us. Which is not yeah. accurate representation of what happened. But, no. <laughs> you know, you can also see how that's, that's hurting people's feelings. Like, I get it. Yeah. And also because, you know... It wasn't just him, but some of the other people from the studio went with him. Oh, well, they got to go. Exactly. In this sort of between time, between the last movie and this one, uh, Disney also does another <laughs> kind of a crazy passion project. <laughs> he uh, read a book called Victory Through Air Power. 
Uh-huh. And he felt like it was such an important message. The book is about exactly what it sounds like it's about. It's a, written by a guy named Alexander P. D. Seversky. He was Russian, and he felt like the United States had to form its own air force and mm-hmm. had to develop long-range bombers, without which it would never win the war. Okay. Disney reads this book. He thinks it's so important that he has to make a movie about it. He personally finances the production (laughs) of the movie. Yeah. And I watched some of this movie. Um, It's, you know, it's not very good. It's not a super (laughs) fun watch. It's, it's a, it's a polemic. Uh, Mm. It, Features P.D. Seversky, uh-huh. live action, talking to camera, explaining his theory. And then there's okay. very, very cheap, limited animation. A lot of like still frames with one animated part that flips back and forth. Yeah. Uh, illustrating the ideas. Okay. And this movie is uh, is quite significant. They screened it for Winston Churchill and Franklin D. Roosevelt. Uh, hmm. Some people argue that it influenced FDR's decision to do what the book said, to form the Air Force, <laughs> create the Allied Combined Bomber Offensive. That isn't true, probably. What with the Combined Bomber Offensive beginning two months before FDR saw the movie. Well, you know, it makes a better story the other way. <laughs> Some reviewers at the time, you know, were like, oh, this is so important. Especially the New York Times devoted like a huge spread to victory from the air. Uh-huh. But then there were other critics at the time who are like, I mean, this is blatant propaganda. It's not really tackling the arguments. <laughs> it's right. weird to, you know, make a movie that's supposed to be laying out this case for whatever and have it be animated. <laughs> like, it's, it's weird to animate, like, Here's how bombings will work. <laughs> Ultimately, that movie loses a ton of money. Yeah. So that is further adding to the depression here. In all of this, there is one kind of bright spot for the company, which is that Saludos Amigos not only earned back its money in North America, but was very popular in South America, as we talked about. And so it managed to turn a small profit And this was basically the movie (laughs) that was keeping the Disney studio open. Like, it was keeping it alive. Yeah. So they were like, well, we've got some unused art from Saludos Amigos. We have this unfinished cartoon about a flying donkey. We have some paintings of Brazil. We have some silly drawings of birds. Maybe we can tape all this together, plus (laughs) some of the cheaper methods we've been using uh, to make cartoons. Plus, we'll do what we did with Victory Through Air Power and uh, add in live action, which was actually a cost-saving device. Oh, I'm sure. We will staple all of this together and hope that it's a movie. <laughs> and weirdly, it works better almost than Saludos Amigos. <laughs> I. It's definitely more memorable. I, it's certainly more memorable. I gotta say, might as well get this out of the way now. Very controversial take. I actually kind of like Saludos Amigos better. Yeah. I can see that. We'll talk about that. The other thing about this movie is that, you know who had proven to be really, really popular in Latin America? Uh, Donald Duck? Exactly. (laughs) Mr. Donald Duck. So the movie would need to be focused on him. Yeah. The reason they combined the live action and animation together was because Walt was like, this is our one cool special effect that will hopefully... Bring in the American audience. Yeah. So that was the big deal. As you say, no other Disney movie had done that. Unless, you know, there's there's 
there's the bit in Fantasia where Stokowski talks to Mickey, but that's not yeah. nearly on the level of this. They also did it in the Alice cartoons Correct. way back in the day. But this is the first movie. Right. And that's uh, that's really it. That's the story of this movie. They stapled it all together. They released it. It was nominated for two Oscars, but didn't win. I think all of these movies practically. <laughs> like, here's best musical score and best sound nominations, regardless yeah. of whether or not you deserve it. And regardless of whether or not you're going to win it. It definitely seems like they went, what went well from Saludos Amigos? Let's do some more of that. Even um, two of the songs, Bahia and Os Quindin de Yaya, were written by Ari Barroso, who wrote Aquarela do Brasil also. Yep. The movie was released. Like Saludos Amigos, it received mixed reviews. I think these were even more quote-unquote mixed, which is to say not particularly positive. (laughs) They felt that it was like, it's an impressive technical achievement, but there's not really a movie here. Which I kind of agree with. Yeah. They also thought it was weird that Donald spends most of the movie chasing after human women, which I also agree with. (laughs) And uh, I believe the movie made a small profit. It definitely helped keep the doors open at Disney, especially (laughs) because it was so cheap. But Walt had been hoping for more of a success. He was hoping that it would make enough money that they could produce the shorts that would make up the next two movies we're going to talk yeah. about, Make Mind Music and Melody Time. He was hoping it would make enough money that they could bring on more people, finish those faster, make money off of those. It didn't do that. Uh, the timelines for those movies were not altered, but uh, at least, you know, they got to continue existing. <laughs> and I think this was also kind of a disappointment overall at the studio. Like, I think people were a little disappointed with it. Believable. That's really all I had to say about it. I, there wasn't too much behind the scenes for this one. I don't know if there was anything from the documentary you watched last week that you wanted to touch on. No, they didn't really make mention anything specifically relating to three caballeros um do you know what caballeros means isn't it like gentlemen but like also horsemen yeah gentlemen or knights oh there you go yeah and one last thing i want to mention as always whenever we talk about a movie that deals with a culture that is not our own we include links in the description i'm including the same links from last week that's walt disney's latin american tour by marcella cross and The Real Story Behind the Three Caballeros by Alexander Ibarra. I talked about these in more details last week, but they also have uh, information and critique and thoughts on uh, The Three Caballeros, as well as Saludos Amigos, so I'm sharing them again. Recommend that you read both of those. With that, shall we get into uh, the movie? Yes, let's. I was surprised to see that the cast is listed in the credits, voice actors included. It's true. They list the full voice cast, starting with my main man, Sterling Holloway, right at the top, above uh, Clarence Nash, who plays Donald Tuck. Yeah. They, of course, also list the live-action actresses, who are the famous, the famous ones they're trying to highlight. From Brazil, Aurora Miranda. From Mexico, Carmen Molina and Dora Luz. I was surprised we got the voice actors credited so early. We thought it was going to be many, many more movies before that happened. Very much so. Do you know who Aurora Miranda is? She is the sister of Carmen Miranda. That's correct. One of the sisters. Carmen Miranda, who we also mentioned last week, also became kind of a popular actress in America because of the Good Neighbor program. Mm -hmm. Aurora got married in 1940 and preferred married life to uh, having as much of a career. So that's why she's in fewer stuff. 
Carmen Molina is a big star in the quote-unquote golden age of Mexican cinema. And Dora Luz uh, released some singles that don't exist anymore, like literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, she she was at least a known Mexican singer at the time, or a known singer at the time. We also do get our first version of the Three Caballeros song over the opening credits. It's bad. Yeah, it's the it's the bad credits version. But instead of being at the end credits, it's at the beginning credits because they didn't do end credits yet. That's right. That's right. You and I talk a lot about bad Ed credit songs in Disney movies. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it in those episodes when we get to them. But like just among ourselves, <laughs> we talk a lot about like, isn't it annoying how they have to include the best song from the movie in some terrible pop cover? <laughs> it's so true. So this one has a framing device. Donald receives a package of birthday presents from his friends in Latin America. Which are presumably uh, Jose and the Llama. <laughs> yeah, right. A bit of the Saludos Amigos song plays while he's opening the present. I like that. Yeah. Also, I think it's funny that his birthday is Friday the 13th. I also think it's funny that he reads the tag and it's in Spanish and then the Spanish magically translates itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there are three presents, the first of which he calls her movies. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a projector and a movie camera and some cartoons. Yep, a film projector with a video of Aves Raras, Strange Birds. He has trouble setting up the projector because he's Donald, Donald Duck. Duck. I love how when he's setting up the actual projector, he just kind of like goes tink and then the film is in the proper shape. Right. <laughs> and then he puts it on rather than like working the film through like he would really do. I don't know. That that particular gag cracks me up. It's good. I mean, yeah, we're, we're having fun. At this point in the movie, I'm like, all right, it's my main man, Donald. We're, you know, we're doing some stuff. We're having a good time. Mm -hmm. Regular old Donald business. Yep. We get into the short. The narrator is talking directly to Donald. Yep, that's funny. And he introduces Professor Holloway. Yay, Professor Holloway! Sterling Holloway himself, my absolute favorite, who I could listen to talk about anything. And in this case, he talks about a penguin. That's right. We get about two seconds of Latin America, and then we cut to the South Pole. And we're there for quite a <laughs> while. I was like, did this movie forget... What it's about? <laughs> well, no, because they did name the penguin Pablo. I don't know. Maybe he moved. <laughs> <laughs> that no, is no. that is one That's thing about this movie. That's what the story's about. He moves away from the South Pole. <laughs> That's right. That is one thing about this movie, though. Saludos Amigos is like, here is what we are teaching you about Latin America. Here is the focus of each short. This yeah. one kind of abandons that. It's definitely a lot less educational, even to the extent that, you know, the last one was really educational. <laughs> and I feel like these early shorts are more focused on, I don't know, being fun. They just don't have the same tone. Like, again, this mm -hmm. one barely, uh, well, not barely, but let, let's say it's half in the South Pole and half actually in Latin America. Yeah. It's not as much about showing off the culture. We do, of course, get more of the looking at the world from high up it looks like a map yes which is always fun there yep. was a joke early on here you left at when it's showing how cold the south pole is there is a penguin who splashes into the water and all of the water that splashes out freezes instantly yeah that was funny frozen splash pablo is the cold-blooded penguin who does not like the cold he's always cold 
I mean, I guess he doesn't have enough blubber or something. Well, he's not wearing <laughs> pants. I think that's the main... Even in his big, warm winter gear, he's not wearing pants. Yeah, yeah. Well, he decides he's going to move north, but he has a difficult time figuring out how to go there. He tries several options. He has three false starts, and then Professor Holloway talks about how he got a brilliant idea. A boat. <laughs> I do like watching his long-suffering friends who are watching him try to go, and then when it doesn't work, they rescue him from the ice or the cold and thaw him out or whatever. I was about to say, I my favorite part of this short, which I like for sure, is his two bored-looking friends. <laughs> I do like this short as well. I feel like the tall, slouchy penguin friend is trying to imitate somebody almost. You know what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> Just the style of him, the way he looks. He looks really funny. And it's yeah. really funny that he doesn't say anything and is just kind of sadly puttering around. He, you know, when <laughs> Pablo is leaving on his boat, he half-heartedly smashes a bottle of champagne against it. He has a yeah. sad top hat. He has a sad, you know, tuxedo. And then he just <laughs> drops the bottle into the water and watches it sink. Yep. And then there's a blanket of fog. <laughs> Which is a good, it's a good one. Once again, a literal joke mm -hmm. because it's an actual blanket made out of fog. There are several of those. Uh, I like the teeny tiny storm cloud yes. that comes later. <laughs> <laughs> the little bitty storm cloud trying awful hard to have its own storm. <laughs> and it's just like, eh, tiny bit of lightning. <laughs> He's basically sailing up the western coast of south america until he gets to the equator there's the connection there with latin america <laughs> exactly we get the names of a lot of cities it's like here's vima del mar here's lima here's quito yeah and then he reaches the equator which is another funny joke where he kind of can't get through the equator until neptune lifts it up for him so he can sail underneath Right, like it's a it's a bouncer rope or something. <laughs> yeah. And then he finally gets to the Galapagos Islands. He's having difficulties because his boat is melting, of course, now because it was made out of an iceberg. But I, I couldn't help but think to myself, he's a penguin. He can swim. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> This, and I usually don't, right? That's not one that usually pops in my head. But this time I was like, dude, you can swim. <laughs> you can swim really good. I know. And you're like, like right there, you know, even <laughs> I could swim. It's so true. I mean, obviously he makes it to land. It's no big deal. And at the end he's sunburned, which is kind of funny. He has a press gang to turtle into bringing him beverages. But the <laughs> turtle seems into it. I, I hope he's being well compensated. Yeah, I hope so. And uh, yes, we leave little Pablo, a little bird in paradise, only maybe he misses home a little bit. Well, that's human nature for you, even if you're a penguin. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's what I wanted from this movie. You know, these yeah, are the little yeah. shorts I like. It's funny. It's got a good, like, punchline. Yeah, definitely. Sterling Holloway is in it. <laughs> Everything I want. Yep, 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 yep. Then we have some more rare birds being shown on the film projector in our back to our uh, framing device, including the Araquan bird, who is crazy. <laughs> so, you know, we normally talk about our favorite parts. I don't know yeah. if I have a favorite part of this movie exactly, but I know my favorite character is the Araquan. Yeah, yeah, I, I can believe it. I, I really like the Araquan too. Every time he showed up, I don't know what it is about him exactly, <laughs> but I laughed so hard 
yeah. at all of his appearances, it absolutely <laughs> cracked me up. <laughs> and I just love his little like. Yep. Yep. He's 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 a delight. He just yeah. I mean he moves really fast and he makes mischief. Yep. I also was noticing but at this point in the movie, Donald is a lot happier and far less angry and frustrated in this movie. Um he does eventually get to be more the Donald frustration and anger that you expect from him, but I did think it was interesting how, especially at the beginning, even when he's having struggles with the projector and screen and stuff, he's not getting like really angry. It's true. This was kind of true in Saludos Amigos as well. I think because it's supposed to be like, you know, he's so in love with Latin America. It looks right, so right, great, right. but it's true. He he gets less angry overall. A couple things about the Araquan, by the way. Oh, oh. Did you know that this is not a real type of bird? <laughs> yes. Maybe I'm stupid. I just assumed like, oh, there's a, there is a type of bird called the Araquan. Then I looked it up. And it's like, no, it's completely made up. It's a made up word. The other thing is that the Araquan bird is voiced by Pinto Kolvig, who <laughs> is best known as the voice of Goofy. Yeah, that's hard to picture. <laughs> well, his voice was sped up. Yeah, I'm sure. To make it sound more high-pitched. Yeah. After talking about birds for a little bit, then it goes into our next little short, The Flying Gauchito. Yes, and this is being told by an old gaucho from Uruguay. Yep. And I like that the narrator, he's telling the story of himself as a child. Yes, and I like how he's an unreliable narrator, how he's very yes. forgetful. You know, he'll be like, oh, this detailed the story. No, wait, it was this, it was this. And then it changes in front of your eyes, all that fun stuff. Yep, or he'll talk to the his little self. Don't forget this, that, or the other. It's a new twist on the classic Disney trope of the narrator making things harder for the characters in the short. Yeah. We also, I noticed, again, we have to list all of the gaucho stuff. Yes, they did. They listed all the gaucho's clothes again. Doesn't mean I can remember them all. No. <laughs> I remember botas, um, which are boots. Yeah, that's the easy one. Which, you know, makes sense because, again, this was a segment that was cut from Saludos Amigos. So this is probably, yeah, yeah. they probably replaced this with Gaucho Goofy, you would have to assume. Yeah, I think less of a replacement and more they were considering doing both. And they were like, we don't really need two Gaucho segments. That seems silly. Both Americas were swept by Gaucho fever. yes. It's me, Gaucho Mox. <laughs> it's a fun word to say. Say the secret word and the Araquan comes down. Pa, 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 pa. <laughs> oh man, that'd be great. So who else is in this short besides the little Gauchito? Well, he's looking for a condor and finds a flying donkey. He's very bad at his job. Yes. And he names it Burrito which is not named after the food. Folks at home, if you're wondering whether that stopped me from making a lot of jokes about it, <laughs> stop wondering. And of course, they, after some conflict, the Gauchito and Burrito become friends. The Gauchito catches him pretty quickly, which is, yeah. you know, a joke. But also after that, in the next scene where it's evening and they're like by a campfire, I guess, the narrator starts rhyming. Mm -hmm. which is weird because he wasn't before then. And then after a <laughs> bit, he stops and we're not leading into a song. He's just like, I'm going to rhyme now. <laughs> like so much of this movie, it's just like, why was that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the next day, 
we are we go to a fiesta and this is a more quote-unquote educational section right because again we're not really learning anything but it's like look at this traditional game and this traditional game yeah look at these things that would happen at the fiesta but the little gauchito he is waiting for the big race it's a donkey race well no it's a horse race (laughs) well yes (laughs) that he's entering the little donkey in yes showing off at the beginning going so slow going the wrong direction everybody's laughing at them and then, of course, breaks out the wings and goes so fast. It's and they win. It's kind of first of all, it's extremely Dumbo. Yeah, it's ex- it's very much the last sequence of Dumbo, except for the uh, Dumbo not believing he can do it and the burrito knowing he can. <laughs> right, but it's also like they have to hide that the burrito can fly. I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like, the, the wings are tied up, and oh no, the Gauchito has trouble untying them, and it's all kind of very manufactured. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. can we kind of get get to it? <laughs> yeah, but the narrator then was able to mention the knife, which was, you know, an important thing he almost forgot at the beginning of the short. <laughs> you know, if you have a knife That's at true. the beginning of the short, you have to have it have you know a resolution at the end (laughs) that's true i didn't think about how they do call attention to the knife at the beginning so actually uh it all pays off perfectly this is a masterpiece storytelling has never been better (laughs) however after they win the race the burrito flies up chasing a bird and it's they everybody's like oh he has wings cheaters and he doesn't get the money (laughs) but and this short has one of the uh greatest strangest ending lines possibly of any disney short ever. i love it i love it which is the old gaucho going neither him nor me was ever seen again as long as we lived yeah. <laughs> and it's like what that's and my he's favorite like, nope, part. short's over and it's like what that's my favorite part i think it's <laughs> <laughs> when he says we were never seen again <laughs> and i'm a ghost <laughs> <laughs> well you know we don't actually see him it's just his voice <laughs> <laughs> got me there uh it was very funny i just wish every disney short ended that way like the one with pablo <laughs> is just like and pablo was never seen again last week with <laughs> pedro the airplane and pedro and his parents were never seen again <laughs> oh, i don't know we'd probably get old if they did it every single time true, true. <laughs> in fact i would say that i actually wouldn't want that to happen at all but thought that pretending that i did would make <laughs> for humor it does you know that i would exaggerate how much i enjoyed that bit so now donald opens another present second present the movie will stop being sane now <laughs> exactly the second present is a gold glowing book with music coming out of it and inside is our old pal jose carioca yep it's a pop-up book of brazil <laughs> Once again, voiced by the Brazilian Jose Oliveira. Yes. Same guy as the last movie, which I really like. I was thinking about this time, like when Jose shows up, it's like, it's weird that I actually like this character, you know, <laughs> even after really only seeing him once. I mean, of course, I'd seen the three caballeros and many other things. Of course, yeah, like I know yeah. of him, but I really like this performance and I do like this character and he's, you know, he's doing all of his bits. He's playing the uh, his umbrella and it's making instrument noises and yeah. he starts speaking in Portuguese and he says this really long sentence and then or as you Americans say in a much shorter version and I was like 
I like I don't know. It, 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 this character works bit. for me. His bits work for me. Yeah. The Araquan also shows up again here, and I, I, <laughs> a big howling laugh from me just because yeah. I didn't expect it. <laughs> yes, the Araquan just shows up randomly throughout the entire movie. After that, <laughs> he makes some mischief. I, I didn't even, I didn't write down what he does, and I can't remember. But it, I can't it recall was what he does. Here, I know later, of course, when they're on the train, he does the mischief of he redraws the tracks to split up yes. the train. But anyway, first, have you ever been to Bahia? Yes. <laughs> this segment is called Bahia, um, which is uh, spelled incorrectly in the film. It's it's usually spelled B-A-H-I-A. Here it's spelled B-A-I-A. So first, there is a very boring song that is just called Bahia. It's based on a Brazilian song, the name of which I can't pronounce, but it's something like Na Bahia do Sapatero, maybe? I'm sorry. <laughs> this is another song written by Ari Barroso, who wrote Aquarela do Brasil, as you mentioned. Yes. Uh, and I have to say, this is the first segment, not just, you know, this is the first segment where we're getting into the surreal abstraction, but it's maybe the first thing we've talked about on the show that I thought looked kind of bad. This part of oh. this segment where he's singing the slow song and we're getting yeah. basically these still images of Bahia. It like looks really muddy. It's like <laughs> this gross dark purple. Obviously it's still images. I didn't remember noticing it looking bad. It's definitely not as fun of a segment. It's just a little boring, but you know, the music is pretty and the images that go with it are are kind of uh, forgotten already, <laughs> if that makes sense. There is a dove. Yes. That's literally all there is to say about that. <laughs> Basically, you're just kind of having an overview of Bahia, mm, sort of. And then we do cut back to Jose and Donald, and we get the much more fun Have You Ever Been to Bahia song. Yes. And also, did you like Jose? Or would you like multiplicity Jose? Many Jose. For Jose. Yeah. And then, of course, after he's asked Donald several times, have you been to Bahia? And Donald's like, no. And he's like, well, then let's go. But they don't actually go. Finally, Donald says, have you ever been to Bahia? And all of the many Jose's ask each other, well, no, no, nope, they haven't. And so finally they go. <laughs> Donald shrinks during this musical number. Yeah. And they hop into the book. And there's a train in the book, which is like, it's very fun and abstract because it yeah. looks like a book illustration. Yeah. Uh, as mentioned, the Araquan makes a mischief. He does. We love it. We love it. We it's love great. it and we love to see it. Right. Definitely. And then there's a real human woman. Aurora Miranda. Though in the movie, she's called Yaya. Yes. And she sings the song. Say the name of the song, please. <laughs> Os Kindin de Yaya. Uh, which is a song about Kindin, which is a popular Brazilian baked dessert, I guess. They call them, I think they basically just call them cookies for us English speakers. So this song is the Kindins of the Yaya, which, uh-oh, is a term of endearment used between Brazil's black slaves. Yeep. Oops. So these are uh, the slave cookies. <laughs> but leaving that aside, which I certainly did not know when- I the, did not uh, know that. When the movie was happening. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's a very catchy song, but this is where we get into, as soon as Donald sees human woman Aurora Miranda, 
he becomes a Tex Avery wolf. Yeah. Right? He has the over-exaggerated reaction. Yep. And then he wants to dance with her or woo her or kiss her or all of the above. Now, I really liked this segment for the most part. It's really fun to watch Aurora Miranda dance. I really like the song and dance. They do a very good job of making the animation and the live action work together. You know, it's no Roger Rabbit, perhaps, Mm -hmm. but it's really good, especially since it was still pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, But then every so often, Donald will just be like, and I want to make out with this woman. And (laughs) I I just really don't need that. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're going to get a lot more of it. Yeah. Jose comes off much better in this scene. He is also like, oh, you know, such a pretty girl. But he's mostly just dancing around. Yeah. He's mostly chill about it. The best part of the Donald business, I think is uh, when he gets a very big, you know, very cartoon mallet and is trying to murder (laughs) a man who Aurora Miranda is more interested in because he's a human, (laughs) not a duck, and a cartoon. But uh, so he he keeps trying to uh, smash the hammer on his head and he keeps dancing out (laughs) of the way, which is at least a joke. Yes, it is. Uh, Donald does... Get a kiss, finally. Yep. When everyone else walks away from Aurora Miranda for some some reason. I don't know. I mean, she spends most flowers. of the song just dancing with, like, all the guys. And then suddenly the, all the girls come in, too, and take all the guys away. And so then, you know, Donald gives her flowers and she gives him a kiss. And then, you know, the whole city is dancing the samba. Uh, And we get, like, anthropomorphic kind of instruments in a blue void. And the dance number goes completely crazy. There's animated bird silhouettes who are fighting each other, turning into man silhouettes who are fighting each other. It's like roosters, like a rooster fight. Yeah. And this is probably the best animation in the movie, at least up to this point. Like, you know, it is the more Fantasia type of thing. It's not more expensive. This whole movie looks cheap. It kind of does. And it it feels like the further it goes on, the cheaper it gets almost. (laughs) Yeah, I could I could say so. Although it probably isn't very cheap to mix the animation and the live action, but it I don't know. It, it just it, kind it of... was. It was actually quite cheap. Again, that's that's why it was done. Probably cheaper than entire animation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so this part doesn't look more expensive, but it's more expressive. You know, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely more interesting than the earlier Bahia song. <laughs> and then the book closes and Donald is squashed. Yes. I always love when a cartoon character is squashed. <laughs> It's time to open the third present, but they're too small. <laughs> they have to figure out how to get big again. Donald, for the first time, realizes that he's shrunk. We're throwing the word midget around a lot, which is unfortunate, but, you know, yeah. it, it's of the time, I guess. Yes, yes. So obviously, Jose does black magic about this. <laughs> obviously. And this is when I realized that, like, literally everything in this movie, especially from Bahia onwards, is a dance. It is. Even when they're not doing a dance specifically, the animation is always moving as though it is. I mean, and there's constant music, basically, it feels like. Yes. From this point on. Yes. It's really hard to notice and list all the songs because there's just so many. It goes from song to song to song with hardly any breaks. 
Uh, so Jose does some black magic, and he's big again. Donald tries to do the same thing. I love all of the implements of vice falling out of his sleeves, <laughs> like cards and dice and knives and whatever. Yeah. Nothing up my sleeve except everything's up my sleeve. Right. And then he's contorting himself into all kinds of ridiculous shapes. Well, yeah, he blew on the wrong finger. <laughs> yeah, he to... can't grow until Jose tells him the right finger to blow on. Yeah. Um, he turns into looks like elephants from uh, Dumbo again. Pink elephants on parade. It does. It, it looks very pink elephants. Yeah. He can stand the sight of germs. <laughs> and look at duck-shaped kind of worms. Yeah. Donald gets very uh, contorted in this movie. <laughs> Not just here, but several times. It's true. And that, I guess, is like, that's the excuse for all the girl chasing. Yeah. Is that like, well, he's always the butt of the joke and he never succeeds. And, you know, Donald's always this like troublemaker who yeah. makes his own problems. <laughs> but I I don't know. I was trying to articulate like, because obviously especially this time, there are a lot of cartoon characters who are chasing girls. You know, there's yeah. later, of course, the Animaniacs would do this at the time. There's like Pepe Le Pew. Uh-huh. Well, but Pepe Le Pew doesn't like human girls. Pepe Le Pew likes cats. Right. And I wonder if that's it. Even earlier than this, you had like Harpo Marx, of course, is always chasing. the. I don't know what it yeah. is, but for some reason... It's more uncomfortable with Donald. And I wonder, <laughs> as you say, it might be because it's actual human women. It might be because it's Donald is this beloved Disney character. And this isn't what he does, you know? Yeah, yeah. This, I don't think, I don't know. There, uh, he's existed for so long. I'm sure there's a few other examples of this or something. But mm -hmm. he's not usually chasing girls. Usually he's he's loyal to Daisy. Yeah. He's a, he's a miscreant in other ways. Yeah, I don't think it surprised me as much because I have seen this more and remembered it better, maybe. Right. Though I kind of imagined it or remembered it as like all three of them kind of girl chasing more than just Donald. It does. It is mostly Donald. Yeah. Less of the others, but it's not important. Um, <laughs> the main thing is it didn't surprise me. I didn't think about it as much because I was just like, yeah, this is how this goes. Right. I don't know, but for some reason, and, and I admit I'm more sensitive to these things, right? Like I'm, I'm a filthy SJW. I'm always the person <laughs> in our family who's going to like bring up this stuff. Um, so, you know, like, no, it's, as I, always, like, it's okay to not have a problem with it. It's right. okay to like love this movie. I agree um, that it's weird. I ca I totally do, but I got over you know, my first seeing it a long time ago. <laughs> there you go, I guess. Even though this isn't the first time you saw it, this is the first time you've seen it as an adult. Yeah, for sure. This is the first time I saw it where I had a take on it other than, like, Donald Duck is a character I like. There right. was music. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of music. So, third present. Yes, it, uh, well, we don't actually get to know what it is exactly yet. He opens it up and we get another character from Fantasia. Is that the soundtrack? Whoa, the soundtrack is back. I knew the soundtrack came back somewhere, but I'd forgotten it was in Three Caballeros. And so there's all kinds of abstract instrumental silliness. Again, just like crazy colors and right. madness. Yep. And then eventually Donald gets sucked into it. And so then all the shapes are Donald, which is really funny. And then who shows up but... New character, 
Panchito Pistoles, though they never say his last name. I couldn't re- Do they say his first name in the movie? He, I believe he introduces himself. You're probably right. I wasn't sure. I can't remember. I mean, I know at the very beginning of the movie in the credits, it shows, you know, your stars of the movie. It's, and it says their names. Right. Panchito, Donald Duck, and Jose... Carioca. It doesn't say Panchito's last name. Because uh, I was listening for it because I could not actually remember what his name was. So I was listening for it. I didn't yeah. hear it and I had to look it up. I cannot remember if they say it at all because I remembered his name and I exactly. didn't think about it. Either way, he's here. Panchito. He's a rooster. Yep. He's a Mexican rooster. Yep. And now we're going to have, finally, the title song. If I had to pick a favorite part of this movie beyond just any time the Araquan shows up, it's probably this song. It's a great song. It's a classic for a reason, both the song itself and the animation that goes to it. Yep, which is funny. And because the song is memorable and it goes with the animation, the animation becomes memorable and you can almost picture the entire thing just by, you know, hearing the song. Right. And this is the song that gets in everyone's head, of course. Yep. And Panchito holding the last note is hilarious. Yes. They're trying to stop him by, you know, throwing things on him and trying to drown him and chopping him down and nothing can stop him. He just keeps going. (laughs) I really love that part. I also love that Donald is, uh, that Donald is like always one step behind. Yeah, yeah. And I love when uh, Panchito's pistol is singing a little bit. (laughs) Total blast. Yep, it's fun. And then after Panchito holds out the note and shrinks under his sombrero and disappears, (laughs) he reappears with the gift, which is a piñata. Yes. And then we have, they have a little background on the piñata, actually more talking about Las Posadas, a holiday that is celebrated in Mexico on the nine days leading up to Christmas. And this, Las Posadas, somehow counts as its own segment. I know, it's very short. I wasn't sure if this was its own segment or not, but, I mean, it lists it as a separate segment. And it's nothing. It is, kind of. I mean, it basically just shows in kind of the uh, still frames. Yeah, no animation, really. It shows approximately what happens during Las Posadas, where the children go from house to house, carrying representations of Mary and Joseph looking for a place to stay, or sometimes some of them will dress up, travel from house to house, being told there's no room, no place to stay, no posadas. Um, finally, of course, they will get to a house that lets them in, and then there's a party. Yeah, I I totally don't care about any of that. I mean, admittedly, I'm like... It, it, there's your... It's, 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 it's very educational, this bit. I, it's It's... I guess. <laughs> but it's also like, I mean, I have to fully admit, people talk about how there are two types of American Jews. They're the ones who are obsessed with Christmas and they like love it and wish that they could do it. And then there are the ones who are obsessed with Christmas and they hate it and they like dread it every year. I'm in the latter group. <laughs> so like, I'm like, man, you know, we're watching this in September. I don't need no Christmas movie. I thought we were going south of the border. I mean, we are, but thought we were going south of the border in, like, September. <laughs> um, I, I also did want to note that uh, Panchito's voice actor, there are actually two guys. There was uh, Joaquin Garay, who is credited as him and who does all of his singing. Uh, but it's a, another Mexican actor named Felipe Turek, I think, who actually did the speaking because they thought that Garay 
did not have enough of a Mexican accent. He was a native of Mexico. Mm-hmm. He was born there, but he had grown up uh, in the United States, and they thought he didn't sound convincingly Mexican. <laughs> oh, well. Garay's son was in Herbie Goes Bananas, so that is a fact. There you go. Obviously, his father had a good enough time working for Disney that his son was willing to also. Garay also gets to be the narrator in a goofy short 1953's For Whom the Bulls Toil, which I don't <laughs> think I have seen, but I feel like I know what it's about. I feel like I get it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I can get it. Could be uh, goofy as a Toreador. I'm betting he gets poked in the butt. I bet. Anyway, so finally Donald gets to break the pinata. And he loves the violence. Oh, yes. That is, that's very much his thing. But the others are messing with him. I mean, that's how you do a pinata. The pulling it away with the blindfold on. Well, I never uh, had a pinata at any of my birthday parties because I did not grow up in a loving home. That's not true. We had pinatas at at least two of your birthday parties. Oh, well... I'm stupid. <laughs> you were very little on one of them. I don't think we pulled it away like that, though. Pretty sure we just kind of set it swinging a bit. And the other piñata, we tried to blow it up with firecrackers and it didn't work. <laughs> that was a pirate ship member? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember this. First one was a night, the night party. And we had a dragon pinata in the garage back when it was just you having parties because Isaiah was kind of too little. Dad was telling a story and teaching you guys how to be good knights or whatever. And I was dressed up like the, a princess down in the, went down in the garage and I was supposed to scream like I was a damsel in distress and you guys couldn't hear me. I remember I this story. screamed several times. Finally, I went up the stairs, like opened the door to the kitchen and screamed <laughs> so you guys could hear me so that you all could come down and rescue me. But you had to, you know, slay the dragon. Sure. Pinata. Sounds fun. And then there was candy in our garage for months. Like candy you guys didn't pick up. Now that I feel like I remember weirdly almost better than the rest of that. <laughs> Well, maybe I did grow up in a loving household. <laughs> and then Panchito takes us through the history of Mexico City and it's still images again and a boring song again and you can keep this too. However, you know, it, one of the things out of the piñata is a book of Mexico. So that's where they show the, the pictures from Mexico. I did think it was interesting that we're going back to books again, like the fairy tales early on yeah. in this in this movie with the book for brazil and the book for mexico yeah although i will say because when you're watching this it's how they pronounce it i always feel like i need to say brazil and mexico instead of you know the normal english way to say it brazil brazil i am a disgrace to our species (laughs) Uh, but then after that boringness then they get onto (laughs) a magic serape like a magic carpet yep And they are animated over some live action footage of Mexico. I believe this is left over from Saludos Amigos. Well, I don't know because they didn't really go to Mexico during Saludos Amigos. So maybe it's just stock footage. It's either stock footage or maybe they sent somebody with a camera down there. (laughs) It's not as far to go to Mexico. I will say it's weirdly boring footage. Like, of course, Panchito's talking about Mexico. It's so great. And Mexico is great. Mexico is a beautiful country. But, like, what we're seeing is, like, a car on a road or an empty field. And it's like, I don't know, there's there's other 
Yeah. There's stuff you're going to visit besides this. They do, you know, make a couple of stops. They stop in Veracruz where they do some dancing. Yes, they do the Lilongo. Which is fun. I like that song. And Panchito has a line I really like where he goes, Donald, you are, as they say, off the cob. You know, corny. That's great. I want to start, when my friends are being corny, I want to start telling them that they're off the the cob. cob. (laughs) Yeah, and this is again, like, I don't know, Donald's got it. Got the hots for this one girl. And I have to give her props. Uh, Do you know who this is? I could not find that one specifically. She's not one of the main three. But she is like, she's dancing with nothing. You know, she's dancing with Donald, but she has to convincingly dance with something that isn't there. She does a great job. Yeah. It is good. There's also, and I'm sure they're throughout this whole movie, but this part I really noticed, we're just reusing some animation frames. You know, there's there's yeah. uh, at least one part where Panchito and Jose are dancing and it's like the kids dancing in the Charlie Brown cartoons where it's like, we got three frames and we're using them <laughs> over and over. Yeah. And then, of course, they leave Veracruz and go on to Acapulco Beach which is not actually Acapulco Beach. So we know they didn't actually go to Mexico for this part. Yeah, it's very not Acapulco Beach, unless Acapulco Beach has a beige <laughs> wall in the background. <laughs> this was filmed on the back lot. Yeah, this was, this was a set. That's okay. What's not okay is Panchito talking about, you know, uh, look, Donald, look at all the hotties or whatever he says. No, he says the hot stuff. The hot stuff. And uh, they're, we're all ogling the girls. And great. Yeah, and Donald, of course, goes down to, I don't know, chase the girls. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the end game is. I don't like thinking about whatever is happening. <laughs> Let's just move on to the nightlife of Mexico City. <laughs> we should note that they do have some clever cartoons interaction with live action tricks. Like when he jumps into the water and it splashes. Yep. Or when they're like flinging him up and down on a towel or a blanket. And there's obviously something in that blanket. Yep. They they do a good job with all that. And uh, I don't know. I hope those girls were paid. I'm sure they were. Well, this is, you know, this is Disney. <laughs> oh, I also wrote down here that Jose kind of doesn't get much to do in this movie once Pentito shows up. Well, you know, his place is Brazil and he's he's there with them. But, you know, it's Panchito talking about Mexico. So it's true. But it's like this movie is billed as the three caballeros. And there's the whole song about <laughs> how they do everything together. And that's kind of not true. Yeah. Donald is the main character. And then the, and it's just like, here's the part of the movie where Jose is telling him stuff. And here's the part of the movie where Panchito's telling him stuff. Yeah. But yeah, then we get a love song from a star, I believe is the next thing. Yes, this is You Belong to My Heart with the singer Dora Luz. And she's wearing this big flower hat thing as she looks like a star in the sky. This was an existing Mexican song that they wrote new English lyrics to. Yeah, that big hat thing she wears... I I tend to, every time I see that, I'm like, what is the point of that? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, it looks interesting, but. I got to tell you, at this point, I I was checked out of the movie because we're going through it all fast. We're especially going through this back, like, part fast. It's worth noting, this is most of the movie. (laughs) It is. 
And there's way more live action stuff in this whole back section. When she's she's singing, it's like she's supposed to be a star or singing in the sky. But anyway, basically what she's singing about kind of appears around in the animation. And of course, Donald is chasing after her. He turns into a hummingbird at one point. The song keeps getting interrupted by these weird hyper distorted versions of the other two caballeros. Yeah. Which is really strange. Like... You talked about this being Fantasia-esque, and it certainly is, but Fantasia is better not only because it's, you know, much higher budget, like all, <laughs> all of that. Yeah. But because all of the segments in that, no matter how abstract there are, I feel like I know what's going on in each one. Yeah. Like the first one is abstract, quote unquote, absolute music. And, you know, yeah. the, the one with the dinosaurs is the one with the dinosaurs. Like, <laughs> I at least understand what we're doing here. This is just yeah. utter chaos. Like, why do the caballeros show up? We were watching it with Dad, <sighs> and he was talking about how it's a bad trip, which is what it seems like, but... Mm. What? Why? <laughs> why well, is we that? We haven't even quite... We haven't even quite gotten to the really trippy part yet, because at the end of You Belong to My Heart, um, all these guitars turn into, like, lips, and then Donald gets a whole bunch of kisses. And then it leads into the last segment, which is called Donald's Surreal Reverie. And this is when it gets really weird. Now, what part... Is this in You Belong to My Heart or Donald's Surreal Reverie, where uh, there is an unidentified voice whispering... Pretty girls, pretty girls, pretty girls, pretty girls. I can't remember. I think that may be in the, it's either, it's either right in the You Belong to My Heart or it may be right as it's like changing from one to the other, you see, because they just go one right into the next one. Right. I did not realize this was two separate segments. It's and like a separate, I mean, it, some people list it as one segment with like two parts, but I, it is kind of a separate but basically, it's like a crazy dream sequence, um, and it has several different songs in it. But that pretty girls bit, that is the <laughs> dictionary definition of what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Why um, is that in apparently, this Apparently, we're highlighting in Three Caballeros the pretty girls of Latin America. <laughs> um... That's one way to build relationships, I guess, <laughs> you 1940s weirdos. Yep. So here's where Carmen Molina is Don't join dancing. The Nazis. Don't join the Nazis. Don't join the Nazis. <laughs> yep. Forget about American imperialism. Forget about American imperialism. <laughs> the, uh... The cactus sequence is where he's dancing with Carmen Molina. Yeah, I, I, of all of this stuff in the back, I mean, I kind of liked this. You haven't said what your favorite yep. part is. Oh, well, I, I said that my favorite, my favorite joke is, um, and then I was never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know That's... that it, it's hard to have a favorite part in this one. I was thinking about it a lot. Like, it's really hard for me to pick a single favorite part. The parts aren't separate enough. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's all just this stew. I really like the Three Caballeros song when they're singing it as well. Um, I like the music of this quite a bit. And I do get the song stuck in my head. <laughs> 
You said you were pretty checked out by You Belong to My Heart, but I do get that song stuck in my head as well. Sure. Um, I'd, I'd probably get stuck in my head if I'd, like, listened to it more. <laughs> the Three Caballeros song I remembered because it's famous yeah. and it play, it's right. played many places beyond just the movie. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know that I have, other than, like I said, <laughs> my favorite joke. Right. Sorry for interrupting. I mean, we're we're in the cactus part. The singing, dancing cacti are fun. I like her cactus outfit. And then there's a bullfight where Donald is the bull. Yep. Or sorry, that's that's after. Was there anything else you want to talk about in the surreal reverie? No, it's really hard to talk about specific bits of it because it is very surreal and it goes from strange thing to strange thing and it's there's not a lot of bits to describe, you know? Right. And none of the bits are really like that interesting other than the cactus part yeah yeah which is a good which is a really cool dance part unsurprisingly since she was hired as a dancer and basically they come out of the book you know the the mexico part and they're interacting with some of the other stuff that came out of the pinata including this bull costume that donald is inside and panchito is and donald are acting out a bullfight with some funny business with his red cape. And uh, then they <laughs> light some firecrackers on him. Yeah, the bull is actually like made out of firecrackers. And Jose lights it with his cigar. And then the fireworks all blow up. <laughs> and you get Finn in Spanish in the colors of the Mexican flag. Then you get Fim in Portuguese in the colors of the Brazilian flag. And then the end in English in the colors of the flag of the United States, which is a nice visual. Yep, it is. It's a very nice visual. But you are like, what was that movie? What was that ending? What was anything? <laughs> Who am I? Uh, yeah, the movie is over and you're like, okay. <laughs> which I guess means it's time for sequels, spinoffs, remakes, rides, and reboots. Yep. Because unlike the Gauchito, the three caballeros were indeed seen and heard from again. It's very true. They became uh, pretty popular characters, yep. especially outside of the U.S., but even within as well. And they've appeared in a lot of things, and I tried to watch as many of these things as I could. Oh. Because I was interested in the evolution of these characters over time. Yeah. And I also knew that we wouldn't have too much to talk about at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> so in the spirit of the three caballeros, we're padding this one out. <laughs> no, I do. I think it's, I think it's interesting. So obviously there's the three caballeros movie. After that, there's some comics that come out, mm -hmm. which I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the Disney comics, especially the older ones, because they were never as popular in the U.S. as they were yeah. elsewhere. Like the history of, you know, the German duck comics, like the Scrooge McDuck and Donald Duck and Daisy Duck comics. Yeah. They're huge in Germany, and there's like a whole German series of those that we never got here. Yeah. I have seen a few of the Disney comics, but not very many. As you said, it's they're just not as popular here, and... So it's, they're hard to find. So I'm not going to talk about that too much. Uh, they are represented in the parks. Their main ride, the Grand Fiesta Tour, I'm going to talk about in a bit. But they are now in It's a Small World, in the new version of It's a Small World that incorporates existing Disney characters. Yeah, into their locations. I think it said they're represented near Mexico. Yeah, they're all in Mexico. Yeah. 
Well, that is where the three of them are together. <laughs> it's true. Panchito and Jose are in the uh, Mickey's Soundsational Parade. They join Donald and dance with some of the female dancers in the parade, which is not as weird as it is in this movie. But <laughs> don't think about this movie while you watch that part. Well, for one thing, if it's, you know, the characters with people inside them, they're at least more of a comparable size. And they're in a whole bunch of other stuff in a whole bunch of the parks. They're, they're doing a bunch of cameos. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Their next screen appearance after their big movie, was in the House of Mouse. Which most of the characters in any Disney property were in House of Mouse. Yes. House of Mouse uh, is a show I think we've talked about before, but yeah. in case, you know, you don't know, it was a show that aired from 2001 to 2003 that I watched a ton of that was really just... It was just for them to package shorts. That's what it was. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. shorts. You'd get like two to three shorts per episode. But with this structure around it of Mickey running a nightclub. And it's yeah. it's kind of, I would say it has a vibe very similar to The Muppet Show, which is probably part of why I liked it. Probably. In that it's the, you know, Mickey Mouse characters. Like there will always be some backstage problem that they're having yeah. to deal with. And in between there are these shorts. Yeah. And if they're not even related to the problem, there will be cameos by people from, you know, pick any Disney property sitting in the audience at the tables. Yes, that's the really fun thing about it is that it includes cameos from like every one. Everything. And part yes. of that was so that they could reuse animation from the movies straight up. Like this <laughs> thing was animated on the cheapest well, Cheapest it was cheap. for TV. I mean, it was for the Disney Channel, but yes, it's it was. TV. So I watched the two main episodes that the three caballeros appear in in this show. Yeah. The first one is called The Three Caballeros. Unsurprising. Uh, it was the third episode ever of the show, and it's quite bad. <laughs> the idea is that they've booked the three caballeros to perform at the club, but... Everyone remembers Panchito and Jose, but they've forgotten that Donald is one of the caballeros. Which is <laughs> So they only remembered two of the three? Which is very strange, not only because of that, but because Donald is the famous one. <laughs> so whatever, Donald feels jealous, and so he tries to rebrand himself the duck formerly known as Donald, and we're doing all of that garbage. <laughs> Let me send you a picture here of the duck formerly known as Donald. You might notice it's Alrighty. aggressively unfunny and aggressively 2001. Oh dear. It's very, yes. <laughs> Panchito and Jose don't arrive until the end of this episode. Of course. So we can continue to do terrible, terrible, insanely dated duck formerly known as Donald bits. <laughs> and they're like, don't worry, we will sing our famous song. And we will, like, prank Donald throughout it. We know what to do in this situation. And you're like, oh, cool. Huh. They're going to sing the Three Caballeros song. Are they? They do not. Uh. They sing a parody of La Bamba. Huh. That's like, I caramba. And it sucks. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> uh, this, that's weird. This whole episode was just 2000 and late, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, for some reason, in both of these House of Mouse episodes, the actor playing Mickey says Caballero. Oh. Or sorry, he says Caballero. Uh, like all the time? 
Yes. All the time he is saying the three caballeros. That's terrible. It's like, voice director, you need to step in and explain. Yeah, that's not good. The three caballeros. So bad. Um, But yeah, so they sing the La Bamba song and it sucks and the episode sucks. The one thing I'll say about it is that uh, one of the shorts is a goofy how-to short. Oh, those are great. Yeah, so that, you know, how to be smart is worth your time. Yeah. None of the rest of, none of, the rest of this. <laughs> the second episode is better. Uh, it's called Not So Goofy. It was the 19th episode of the show. By the way, they were like in other cameos, but these are the only two where they're plot relevant. Right. Uh, and what happens in this episode in season two is that everyone is fed up with Goofy, who's a waiter in the show, you know, hmm. messing up. They hire Jose Carioca to make Goofy like poised and graceful and ungoofy and not clumsy yeah but then he's not funny anymore he's not the goofy people love Correct. so they then hire panchito to undo jose's training <laughs> oh that's pretty silly i hope that episode is better this episode is much better it's much funnier we're not doing dated references yeah uh, it's still i mean it's it it looks cheap again but it was funny. I got some genuine chuckles out of it. This is like, okay, with this episode, I'm not ashamed that I've watched this show. <laughs> some jokes in this episode that were quite good is Jose does the thing with the, you know, pulling the tablecloth and everything on top of it is fine. And it's the right. Beauty and the Beast characters like Mrs. Potts and Chip and uh, Lumiere. Oh, yeah. And then Goofy goes to do it. And they're all like, run away! And they all jump <laughs> off the table immediately. Also, another joke that I laughed at is that uh, they're serving mashed potatoes with the Emperor's new gravy. Uh, which is barely a so joke, silly. but it got me. <laughs> so, I mean, that episode is fine if you need a taste of the House of Mouse. They also sing a new song called My Name is Panchito. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun patter song right it's like my name is panchito romero miguel junipero francisco quintero gonzalez my mother maria was born in Berea, the daughter of grandpa morales <laughs> which i don't think i'm doing the tune right but like that's you know that's the whole thing is this his yeah. joke about his long name which is yeah. a much better song and we shouldn't be doing parodies <laughs> one thing i want to note at this time and like throughout this kind of era, the two actors playing these characters, Panchito was played by Carlos Alazraki, who uh, is American. He was born in New York, but he had Argentinian parents. And in the 90s and 2000s, he was just kind of any time you needed a Hispanic person or a Hispanic mm. voice, we were getting this guy. Yeah. Because he's acceptably American enough that he could get hired. So he just stood in, I guess, for every every voice. He's most famous for the Taco Bell Chihuahua. Oh, wow. Uh, he's also Denzel Crocker uh, from the Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> he's the mean teacher. And he's a Laszlo in Camp Laszlo, which I never watched. But if you're listening to the show and you're younger than me, that might mean something to you. He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, but Jose was played by Rob Paulson. <laughs> Rob Paulson. Uh, Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson is a great voice actor. He is, uh, I mean, he's been everything. He, he's perhaps right. best known for Yakko and Pinky from Animaniacs, as well as a bunch of other characters he's carl weezer from jimmy neutron he's Raphael and donatello in multiple teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> properties he's pretty much anything you liked that had voice acting in it he's probably on the call list somewhere yeah 
He is also not Brazilian at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I wanted to note that this year, right, 2020, there was all this controversy about white actors playing non-white characters. Uh-huh. Rightly so, in my opinion, although, of course, it is it is a controversial issue. Uh-huh. He was asked point-blank about playing Jose, and he actually apologized for it. It's a video you can watch on the AV Club YouTube channel, um, hmm. and it he gives a very articulate response he talks about you know his own he owns up to his own failings and he also talks about like what the industry can do better and how and he Mm -hmm. talks about like some of the voice actors of color he's worked with he tries to shout them out and like elevate them um so he seems like he's a good guy that's good he made this mistake but i think ultimately he's on the right side of history yeah that said I think both of these guys, I think having watched all of it, this era of uh, the three caballeros is kind of terrible. (laughs) I think these two are actively bad in the roles. Rob Paulson's accent is not convincing at all. And they're just a little too cartoony. Yeah. Well, the House of Mouse was never great. No, but these guys are doing the voices in like everything at this time. For example, in 2007... A new ride is added to Epcot called the Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros. Yes, it's a very long name. (laughs) You'll never guess who it stars. In the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot, of course. And I remembered really liking this ride. I watched a ride video of it. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, it's it's quite fun. The the whole bit is that you're supposed to be seeing a performance from the Three Caballeros, but Uh then... They show up and Donald is missing. So Jose <laughs> and Panchito have to get on the magic uh, Serape oh, yeah. and ride around Epcot, riding around the Mexico Pavilion yeah. to try to find Donald. <laughs> and it's very fun. It's all like, basically what you're doing is you're riding on this dark ride in the water and yeah. there are little TV screens that show little animations. But the animation was directed by a guy named Eric Goldberg, who was the character animator for the genie in Aladdin. Interesting. So it is probably the best, I would say, thing with these characters in this era. (laughs) It's very funny. It's very fun. It is a perfect, I need to sit down in the dark for seven minutes, ride at the end of your trip to Epcot (laughs) ride. The animation is way better than House of Mouse. And it's certainly better than what we're going to talk about next. The next things I had to watch were, are you even aware? You're probably vaguely aware of those like CGI Mickey Mouse cartoons for preschoolers. Vaguely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're popping up in some of those. So like the first one was Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, so not in that. That's the one I was thinking of, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. There's a sequel show to that that's like the same thing called Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Mm-hmm. They show up in that in an episode called Mickey's Perfecto Day, <laughs> where in this show, for some reason, Mickey and company are racers. They are in Spain in this episode. And so, of course, who's more Spanish than the Latin American guys? <laughs> the plot of this episode that they're involved in, they're barely in it, is that they're supposed to do a big song with Donald, but Donald eats something spicy and loses his voice. As you do. (laughs) Yeah. And so Daisy has to take his place, but then Donald eats some flan and he's fine. (laughs) 
I couldn't make it through this because this is a show for preschoolers and I'm a grown man and this was like fingernails on chalkboard. (laughs) And I don't like these characters, not just the three caballeros, but any of the classic Disney characters in CGI. No good, very bad, don't do it. CGI Jose in particular is so wrong. Oh. It's so bad. Yeah. There was also apparently a show called Minnie's Bow Tunes. At this point, I was losing my mind. It's the exact same thing. It's the Uh same preschool CGI thing. Where I read on the Disney wiki that Panchito was in it. It is not Uh actually said to be Panchito, and it is not the same voice of the guy. There's just... They go to a fiesta, and there is a group of roosters that look like Panchito, who are Mm. clearly the same CGI model cloned over and over. So I watched that garbage for no reason. Thank you, the Disney wiki. (laughs) Somebody thought it was him. Then, in 2015... The three caballeros show up in a Mickey Mouse short, the new series of Mickey Mouse shorts, Uh which I I really like these shorts. They are very good. Most of them. This one is called Feliz Cumple... It's called Happy Birthday in Spanish. (laughs) Feliz Cumpleaños. Thank you. And it's one of the uh, international ones. It's one where they are just speaking Spanish. It takes place in Mexico. I think Uh you and I are agreed that those are probably, like, that's the best run. Yeah, I really like those ones. Uh, And this is a very good one. The Three Caballeros don't speak in this. They're just basically playing the music of the short, like in the background. Uh We cut to them Uh occasionally. But it's fun. There's a bunch of sentient piñatas who attack Mickey and the crew. (laughs) And uh, he has to do battle with them. It's, It's very funny. It's three minutes long. I like these shorts, and this is a good one of them. Yeah. But it didn't really lend any insight into these characters. <laughs> so then are the new DuckTales appearances, which I have not seen. I have only watched the first season of New DuckTales. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I have not felt the urge to watch season two and three. It's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that at some point. Don't ask me to put it on my calendar, but I'll watch it at some <laughs> point. But I love New DuckTales because I loved old DuckTales. So tell me about these episodes where they appear. In the first one, the town where everyone was nice. Basically, it's they find out that Donald was in a band and these were his bandmates. That's how it's presented. Panchito and Jose show up and are going on about how wonderful their lives are now. And Donald then, of course, feels like he has to lie to pump himself up. And so he says that Uncle Scrooge gave him all of his money. And so now he's the wealthy guy. And so they're like, great. But uh, of course, they're all lying. They're, they're very silly in that one. And it's, you know, the nephews are all like, oh my gosh, Uncle Donald was in a band. It was terrible. You know, like that. <laughs> That's basically the joke. In those DuckTales episodes, they are voiced once again, by a Brazilian and a Mexican person. Which is very uh, good. Bernardo de Paula as Jose Carioca. Arturo del Puerto as Panchito. And then I don't remember this episode in season three as well. I think I might have seen the other one a couple times. But Louis Eleven, which, you know, you can kind of guess what the basic plot of that one is. <laughs> like in Ocean's Eleven, but with Louis planning it. So... That one is extremely silly because they come up with this crazy plan, big gigantic plan. And of course it ends up being like way easier than they're trying to make it. It's so silly. They do perform a song, you know, because 
that's what they apparently do. It seems like the running theme throughout all of these later appearances is the three of them are a band and what they do is sing together. <laughs> yes. That it's it's a band Donald was in or is in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That seems to be most of the time what's going on. Which makes sense because what everyone remembers from this movie is the song. That's what people the want music. more of. Yeah. So then finally, in 2018, we get The Legend of the Three Caballeros. I did see that this is on Disney+. Plus. It is. This is a show that was produced by Disney Digital Network, which was Maker Studios Incorporated. It was originally basically a network of YouTube channels. That's kind of how Maker Studios mm. like made their name. Yeah. Was uh, was partnering with YouTube channels such as uh, Philip DeFranco is one of the founders of it. <laughs> they got bought by Disney and now they make Disney content. This, I believe, is their first show. Yeah. And it was originally exclusive to the Philippines. I think I saw something about that. Despite being in English. And I was hearing a lot about this at the time because I was hearing about like there's this show with the three caballeros that's supposed to be great, but you can't get it in America. <laughs> so like hardcore Disney yeah. fans were like, I want to see it. Then when Disney Plus premiered, it came out with the service. That was that that was why they were holding off on it. Ah. Was so that it could be like a Disney Plus bonus, which I don't know for how many people it was, but it's fun that it's there <laughs> now. So there are 13 episodes of this thing. I watched the first five. Wow. It's a serialized show. It's one long story. Each episode is a small piece of it. Wherein there were these legendary figures called the Three Caballeros who helped the goddess of adventure and like did all <laughs> kinds of cool, crazy stuff in the past. And they fought this evil wizard. And their descendants, who now have to take up the mantle, are... Donald and Jose and Panchito, who are all, you know, dinguses. Of course. And it's really good. I should say that these are, again, actors that, like, fit the correct nationalities of the characters. Yeah. It's a guy named Jamie Camille for Panchito, and a guy named Eric Bauza for Jose. Of course, Donald is just played by Tony Anselmo, who's been playing him forever now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so they have to take on this mantle and become these heroes. And it's really good. It's a little bit of that DuckTales 2017 approach, but it's also yeah. much funnier and more anarchic. It feels more like the kind of older shorts, a lot of what we've been watching recently, because it is more visual gags and it is more silly. And it's, although it has this overarching plot, it is much less concerned with it than it is yeah. with being funny all the time. So like an example of this kind of humor in the first episode, Donald's house burns down and it's on fire and these firemen yeah. show up, they run in and they just smart start smashing everything with axes. <laughs> They do nothing else to stop the fire. So it's silly stuff like that. And I really, really liked it. I will definitely be watching the rest of this show on my own. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely recommend it to people at home to whom all this sounds interesting. It gives Panchito and Jose more of defined characters and more like defined things to do because it is a longer series. Yeah. And I was surprised by how much it does 
feel faithful to the movie that we were talking about, the Three Caballeros movie. Uh huh. For example, it starts on Donald's birthday, which is Friday the 13th. <laughs> Very good. The Golden Book is back. It's now a magic atlas they use to travel around places. <laughs> travel by book. And guess who else is back? Um. Oh, the Araquan. The Araquan is back. Yay. Played by the great D. Bradley Baker. Doing Araquan bits throughout the whole show. It is wonderful. Ah, oh, see, now I know why you like it. <laughs> There's, like, other references to obscure Disney stuff. I'm sure you'll catch way more than yeah. I have. Yeah. But, like, for example, Daisy's nieces are in it. Oh. April, May, and June, who were only previously in the comics... And one episode of House of Mouse's background characters. <laughs> and they're kind of low-key the best part of the show. They're great. <laughs> Alrighty then. Have to keep an eye out for that. Big, big recommend for Legend of the Three Caballeros. And you should know that I watched it before I watched all that other stuff. So it wasn't just <laughs> like, oh good, there's finally something good in this section. Alrighty. But after I watched all that other garbage, I did watch some more Legend of the Three Caballeros <laughs> to wash the taste out. It's it's kind of what you want from these characters. Okay, good. And I hope it gets a second season, though it probably will not. Who knows? So with all of that, <laughs> we rate these movies not with a numerical rating, but by asking each other two questions. The first of which is, Mom... Would you recommend this movie? I think I would. I would recommend it. I would probably, you know, try to give a, like with Saludos Amigos, give a little explanation. Here's what it basically is. So that people don't go in expecting a regular movie or even a regular collection of shorts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would recommend it, if nothing else, for the amazing music. I have to say, I would not recommend this movie. Unless, you know, if you're a Disney completionist, sure, go for it. But that's like the asterisk on all of this. Well, of course. If you're a normal person, if you're interested in like the history behind this, the whole good neighbor thing, I think Saludos Amigos is better. It's more fun. It's shorter. And it's also tighter because it's shorter. It's more recognizable as what <laughs> it's doing. Yeah. And this movie, like... I don't know, all the girl chasing stuff has aged weird. The yeah. rest of the movie isn't good enough to justify it. If someone wanted to learn about the Three Caballeros characters, honestly, I'd recommend that show, Legend of the Three <laughs> Caballeros, before I recommended this movie. Alrighty. But would you show this to a child? I did obviously show it to my children, though, you know, kind of my grandmother showing it to <laughs> you, but with my approval, it wasn't like... What is she showing you? No, I don't know how much they'd be into it. I can't remember how much you were into it at the time. There were probably parts you were really into and parts you just tuned out. I was definitely into it. I would show this to a kid. I liked it more as a kid than I do as an adult. And I feel like that'll be true of most kids because they won't yeah. be like, they won't be obsessing over what is the logic of this bizarre like second half. <laughs> They'll just be like, oh, it's color. Yeah, I love that. It's definitely the sort of movie for a kid that you could put on and still play nearby, right? Right. It would be less of one that you're just like glued to the TV, I think, especially towards the end. I should note, last time in this section, we were making jokes about, you know, Goofy's heinous cigar usage. <laughs> uh, also, in this movie, Jose has a cigar and Panchito Pistoles has pistols. 
Yeah. Uh, those are cut out of every subsequent appearance. Everything we talked about in the spinoffs, uh, they don't have those. Yeah, I think in DuckTales, instead of having pistols in his holsters, he has smartphones because he's acting like he's so popular. Yes, I read about that. And that is the only one of the things we named where he even has the holsters. <laughs> Otherwise, it's gone. He just got a belt. Yeah, that's probably why they changed his name, saying that Pistoles was like a uh, a pseudonym. Yeah. He has, in fact, a different long last name. Listen, the 40s were crazy. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for me, Mom, and the Mouse. If you liked the show, please come back next time for Make Mine Music. What do you think of that one, Mom? That one has a lot of good shorts. I'm really looking forward to it. It's not on Disney Plus, though, so we're actually going to have to try to sync up our DVDs. It's true. We each purchased a DVD, there's no Blu-ray release, of this movie so that we could watch it. <laughs> Because at time of recording, it is the only thing on our list, minus one of the bonus episodes, that is not on Disney+. Plus. Yep. So until next time, when we're watching DVDs, I'm me. <laughs> I'm Mom. And it all started with a mouse. Mouse.